Hey, are you looking to evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness spirituality and personal growth in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary spiritual practices to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you live your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Urban Spirituality with your host, Prash K. And I'm delighted to have with me I'm always delighted. I always say this. I'm always delighted. But I genuinely am delighted because we have somebody with me who I never thought would do an interview like this because she's just too busy on the road. She is the famous drug dealer who has turned into a healer. (laughs) The multi-award winning holistic health practitioner, soul coach. She's a spiritual teacher and mentor who's doing extremely well here in the UK. She's an intuitive relationship healer and a public speaker. Please show your love for the one and only Raspreet Sagu. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Prash. It was uh, really nice to be invited to speak. And I'm really looking forward to this podcast. Raspreet, I'm just happy that you came along. And um, first of all, let's, let's get something right clear off the start tell us about your drug dealing okay so the drug dealing that's that's something that I've heard before so I'm a professional drug dealer well I was a professional drug dealer I'm actually a pharmacist by profession so (laughs) I, I left my drug dealing days a few years ago about two and a half years ago to embark on a completely different journey um yeah. So. So, 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 okay. So you were a drug dealer, a professional drug dealer, a pharmacist. I was jesting, of course. <laughs> one thing we cannot jest about is that you live, from what I have learned, in a very, very dangerous area with warfare, gang fights, murders, all kinds of things happening. I think they call it East London. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That is correct. I am based in East London. My practice is in East London, but I actually work internationally. So I work with clients from all over the world. Um, It's not just the delinquents of East London that I I deal with. Uh, I do do work with uh, people from all across the globe. Let me throw something at you. And I know that we haven't planned this, but hey, that's how we roll. Quick, quick question. Mm-hmm. save lives or do you spare lives i wouldn't say i do either i empower lives i empower people to to create the life that they want so i don't save because uh, if i'm saving them people are waiting to be rescued and they're giving their power away mm-hmm. i actually give them their power back so that they can save themselves how important is empowering oneself versus lending somebody a hand. Surely there's got to be a balance here because, you know, yeah, you 
know, you teach a person to fish and they can fend for themselves and all that. But surely there's got to be some sort of uh, critical mass that you've got to provide people before they can sustain themselves in a, at another level. Absolutely. And so that's where the whole word empowerment comes along. It's empowering is about teaching, coaching, mentoring. So you're not allowing people to depend on you. Mm. So what I do like within my practice, I actually help people to awaken their own innate abilities. So we live in a universe of choice. It's a yes universe. And sometimes what we do as beings is we choose not to acknowledge that power that is within us innately within every single one of us. And so what I come along and do is I help you to remember. So that power, you know, these abilities that you have, they've always been there. And all I'm doing is facilitating you to remember how powerful the infinite being that you truly are. And when you can, when you can empower yourself and when, when you remind yourself of your your infinite nature, then does an infinite being need help? Does it, an infinite being need saving? I like that. That's an insightful point because is it not the case that most major world religions have this connotation, rightly or wrongly, or at least we interpret that they are all about saving, that you know, you've got to save somebody, you've got to save yourself. But this is an interesting take. You're, you're saying, if I've heard you rightly, Raspreet, that we don't necessarily need saving. We just need to reawaken and realize our own infinite power. Exactly. And, and, and capabilities. And that we've, um, would you say, forgotten them? Yeah, a lot of them have been forgotten. A lot of them have been suppressed. When you talk about saving, when you talk to me about saving it's a very fear-based energy it comes from there's something going on i need protection i need saving whereas an infinite being we're, we're all infinite beings as i said we've got this innate power this innate ability within us to do what we want and i said at the beginning that this is a choice universe so you can choose to live in fear or you can choose to live in love okay wait a minute i, I have a contention here this is urban spirituality. Mm-hmm. We've got listeners who are, I can just hear their voices in my head. But hey, Raspreet, I'm a busy city guy or gal. I've got bills to pay. I've got two mouths to feed. I've got a divorce you know, going through the wings. I've got this house that I'm trying to buy in the suburbs of London. And I've got so many other responsibilities on my head. What are you talking about infinite power? I don't have infinite power. I'm on three types of medication. My doctor says my blood pressure is too high. And, I, you know, God, what, what's this God? What's this religious stuff? What's the spiritual stuff? I don't, I don't feel my spirit. I don't see my spirit. How do we take that and aggregate that with the view that you've just shared? How can one penetrate their current circumstances? Okay, so everything that you're going through, it, you, believe it or not, you create it. And I have clients and students coming to me all the time saying, well, if I'm this infinite being and I'm so all-powerful and I can choose what I want in my life, why am I creating all this crap, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you are, you are, whether or not, we're, see, we're all great manifestors. People come to me to learn how to manifest and I always say to them, but you're already a great manifester because you can manifest the good and you can Mm -hmm. manifest the bad. 
So if you're manifesting your debt or you're manifesting that divorce or, you know, the, the bills that you've got to pay, why not use your energy instead to start to manifest and create the things that you really want instead? And the way that you need to be able to do this, the, the way that you start to do is start to become more conscious. So we do this manifesting on a subconscious level. Someone doesn't come up, wake up in the morning and say, okay, this morning I'm going to die. I'm going to manifest diabetes, right? <laughs> they, they don't do that, but there's stuff going on in their subconscious mind, which is manifesting that. And that stuff that goes on in your subconscious mind is going on all the time. You may not even be aware of it. That's why it's your subconscious. And the, the analogy I use with my students and my clients is breathing. So you're breathing right now, Prash, right? right? Are you making a conscious choice or are you making a conscious instruction to your brain to send the signals it needs to, to, the, to the lungs to expand and then sending a conscious instruction for the lungs to then take in the oxygen, extract the oxygen, right. send it no. It's all happening though, right. it's happening. without even thinking about it. Right. And it, in the same way, your subconscious is running all the time. Our brains, they're, they're the fastest computer in the world. They never switch off. They're always running. And so your subconscious, it, 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 it kind of um, absorbs things, whatever's going right. on around you, like a sponge. Right. right. You start from the from the minute you're born, from the ages of zero to seven, you're in what they call a theta state. And that theta state is what enables children to learn so quickly. That's why from the ages of zero to seven, it's the fastest rate of learning. And all the stuff that you learn from those ages, they stay in your long term memory. That's scientifically proven. Mm -hmm. OK, so what you're picking up at that point, you're picking up energetically, whether or not you consciously are aware of it, whether or not mm -hmm. you consciously even dare I say, believe in all of this stuff, we are, we are vibrational beings. So we do react to energy. Yeah. We do yeah. react to, to these subtle energies that are around us. So if you're in a, um, you're growing up in an environment where it's really, um, like tumultuous or there's a lot of conflict, fighting, mm -hmm. all of that sort of stuff going on as a child, you're energetically you're picking that up. That up. And as you do, you grow up, you start creating subconscious beliefs based on what you're experiencing. So a child who's hit, a child who's abused, a child who's told, of, told to shut up and sit down, be quiet, children should be seen and not heard, will start creating beliefs that it's not safe for me to speak. It's not safe for me to be heard. So it's better if I just shut down and keep quiet. Mm -hmm. And so as you grow up, that, that belief serves you while you're still this child because it keeps you out of trouble. Right. Growing up, you go into the interview that you so want and you're not able to speak up. You're not able to express yourself because you've got this, this contradicting belief that you need right. to be quiet. You've got an inherited belief that was uh, left over from your childhood, which, was now, which has now become a, a conditioned response. Exactly. And then, and that's how you create all of that crap you were talking about. So you may create um, not being able to go, you know, get that promotion that you want, which may cause financial issues. The financial issues then impact on your relationship because when, when there's not enough finances, usually that's when couples start to fight. 
there's a statistic and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's a very, very high percentage of divorces are attributed to lack of finances or some sort of financial issue within that relationship. I think of a, I think of a computer on a computer. You got your, you got your memory, your Ram, you've got your hard disk, you've got your operating system. And I guess what you're saying is our conscious mind is like the programmer and our subconscious is like the hard disk, uh, the drive uh, or, or the cloud. Everything is getting stored inside that subconscious of ours. Whether we like it or not, the programmer, our conscious mind and our awareness system, that which interacts with the outside world is absorbing all those things and programming our subconscious, whether we like it or not. It hits our subconscious. It penetrates there and sits as as they call it in Sanskrit, a vasana, an impression. And once it's in there, if I'm hearing you right, it's coming out at times when we don't even want it to come out. It comes out when we don't even, when it doesn't even serve us. And yet it seems to come out. Why does it come out when it doesn't even serve us, Raspreet? Why is it just coming out, you know, throughout our years and years and years? That's a great question. Um, so our brain is really, really clever, like I said to you before, and it never, ever holds up. We call them negative beliefs, right? We think they're negative. So it's a negative belief to, to say um, you shouldn't be heard or it's unsafe for me to be, mm. to be heard. But it's actually not because your brain only keeps hold of these beliefs and your subconscious will only hold on to these beliefs if it's serving you in some way. So mm. there's always a positive reason behind it. So in this example, the positive reason behind keeping your mouth shut is you stay out of trouble. Right. Right. And that's what you learn. You stay out of trouble. And then like in feet to healing, which is what I do, you do this process called digging and you keep digging to see what the actual root cause is. You, you keep asking them what would happen? What do you gain when you, when you keep out of trouble, when you keep out of trouble, the, the person might say, well, then I get to do what I really want. Then I get to be who I really am. Then I get to step in my power. Yeah. So you see all these things that are keeping this limiting belief or this negative belief in place. That's why we hold on to those negative beliefs. They are actually in some inadvertent, weird, twisted way, they're positive beliefs. I'm compelled by the wise words that are coming out at the moment, Raspreet, because I know that some of the stuff that we're hitting on is going to go over people's heads, either because it's too much to intellectualize or it's actually too sore for them to consider because there's too much truth in it and it's just more convenient to bypass it. So let's try and make this more relatable to people who are listening. So let's rewind the clock. Take us back a few years uh, in the days when Raspreet was a aspiring pharmacist. What happened? What set you on this diametrically different course of action? Right. Well, I had a really successful career as a pharmacist. I was at the top of where I could be. I'd wanted to do pharmacy since the age of six. So it was exactly where I wanted to, you know, I geared my whole life up towards doing pharmacy. And, but it was getting to the point where I wasn't fulfilled anymore. So I was, I was managing my own department. I was, you know, at the top, like I said, where I could be, but it was no longer fulfilling. And then I, I still knew I wanted to be doing something. I wanted more autonomy in my life. And I, at that point, I was pregnant with my daughter. And I knew that 
I wanted more than just to be working. And I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. That was just not me. Okay. I, wanted I think a lot of people could relate to that. Many of our viewers are in that position, I know. Yeah. And I, it was really important to me to have a career, a successful career. I always wanted to help people. I mean, if you look back at my report cards from all the way back from primary school all the way to secondary, it was always, she always finds time to help others. And so that was, that was just part of me. I really wanted to do something. But obviously, where I geared myself up towards pharmacy, all my skill set laid mm-hmm. with just pharmacy. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so my daughter was born and we used to take her to swimming lessons. And I would, would complain to my, my husband saying, oh, they're not teaching the right breathing techniques or that's not the right uh, stroke technique or whatever. Mm. Uh, because I have a background in swimming. I was semi-pro when I was way back when. Okay. And so he just said to me, well, why don't you teach her then? Because you obviously know better. And so that, that I thought, yeah, why not? Uh-huh. And I trained to be a baby swimming instructor. And so here's the thing. I had, I really wanted to do something of my own. I wanted autonomy. This was the thing that was really important to me. I had a young family. I wanted to spend quality time with my family, but I also wanted a career. So mm. I kind of wanted it all and I wanted it in balance. So I wanted a, a good balance of, you know, the career, the successful empowered career as a woman mm-hmm. and to be able to contribute to the financial, you know, um, upkeep and yeah. maintenance of your household. Yeah. Because it was like, I like, I like my financial independence I am an empowered woman, so I don't want to be sitting at home waiting for the husband to go to work and come back and give me the money and all of that. I want to be able to contribute financially, but I also want the finer things in life and I want the the holidays and I wanted that quality time. And so I decided to open up this franchise. But um, So I was going from being employed all of my life having a regular income every mm-hmm. single month and a good income as well as a pharmacist of course. to starting off my own business so you know there was a, a lot of um it was a huge learning curve uh, i was becoming self-employed i was having to learn how to juggle everything i was a one-man band now i was doing everything on my own i plugged in all this money into this franchise mm. and I just kept facing loads of obstacles, loads of delays. Um, and I, I started realizing that I had loads of mindset limitations. Every time I wanted to up level or do something that bang, there would be some obstacle bang. There would be some delay and my launches, you know, mm-hmm. the classes, they weren't launching and I just couldn't understand. It was like I was taking one step forward and 10 back. Hmm. I, I was so frustrated. I was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing, all the social media stuff that you were supposed to be doing, all the marketing, everything, and nothing was moving. Right. So you you you, you were getting a ton of resistance, as I would call it, yes. showing up. I, entirely unwarranted, of course, but it was just coming nonetheless. And you thought at the time that you were doing the right thing and taking the right steps. Maybe you were doing everything by the book that you were shown by experienced people. And yet you were still coming up against resistance. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm hearing here. Absolutely. Okay. So that was a junction point where you could have said, all right, sod this. I, you know, why am I putting myself and my family through all this stuff and me being a grumpy old so-and-so 
when I could just go back to pharmacy, get a decent paycheck and get, get the child minder in. Why didn't you do that? I almost, I almost did. There were many points at that point where I thought, I, I think I'm just going to go back to pharmacy because this ain't working. <laughs> but, but then there's yeah. another part of me which is like, no, I'm going to make it work because I really want this. I really want this. And I knew, I knew it was going to be hard work. I, did, I, I was under no illusions that was going to be easy. Um, but I just didn't know where I was going wrong. I didn't know what, what was happening. And at the time, I wasn't into any of this energy stuff. Or not, not that I wasn't into it. I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware as aware as I am now. And that's actually when I fell into Theta Healing, funnily enough. I um, came across Theta Healing and I would see it. And this, you know what? The universe has this funny old way of guiding you to where you're supposed to be. But you need to take you need to take care of the signs. So when, when I was getting these signs, I would see the word theta healing everywhere and I would disregard it. And I then finally decided, what is this theta healing? For the umpteenth time, I'd scroll down my Facebook and there it was again, this word theta healing. And I thought, what is this theta healing? Clicked on the link, read about it. And I read about all these subconscious limitations that could be blocking you in your love life, in your business, in your career, with your finances, with your health. And I thought, you know what, this sounds really interesting. Now, mm -hmm. I've always been open-minded. So I thought, I'll book in a session and see how it goes. And I went into this session and I was never the same. My whole perspective on life changed from that one session. I, we did, I went in, obviously, with my business problem. So I was stuck in my business and I mm -hmm. went in with help for my business. But I actually found, after that session, my health was starting to improve. I found that my relationship with my husband was getting better, although we'd always had a really good relationship, but we were, we were suddenly communicating a lot better. We got a lot closer and um, yeah, loads of little things. And obviously my business, my business started to pick up. So I, I thought I'm going to enroll in some of the theta healing classes because I wanted to keep up the momentum, you know, be able to empower myself to be able to, continue with this work it was purely for self-development I never had the view to be doing this for a living at that point um, so I did I enrolled in some of those classes and it was very early on I used to do sessions for my friends and family and I had a session with one of my cousins overseas and she'd broken out in hives she was completely covered she actually rang me up she was facetiming me and she said Ras you've got to help me do that witchy woo-woo stuff, she said to me. Whatever <laughs> that theta healing stuff that you right. do, maybe that will sort it out. Because she was told by the doctors she needed to go on steroids for a long, long time. And her being a nurse, she didn't want to go down the steroids route. So she said, well, if you can, if you can do whatever your theta healing stuff and it works, then I don't have to go on the steroids. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But we did a half-hour session. And she phoned me up the next day, not even 24 hours later. And she was like, Ras. I don't know what you did yesterday, but it's gone. And she FaceTimed me and she showed me her body. And I was like, I was probably more shocked than she was. I was like, oh my God, it's actually disappeared. And so she was like, you need to be doing this for a living, Ras. This is amazing. And so it was like little things like that. I would work with um, close friends and family. I would have these types of results. You know, I was helping people with their relationships, uh, all sorts of stuff. I was... Um, yeah, and it just 
they actually said to me, you need to be doing this. And I loved it. I loved it because this was finally tying in what I did as a pharmacist. So I was using like the skills that I had built as a pharmacist in my medical intuition. I loved the outcome, you know, it made me feel Mm -hmm. really good. And obviously as I'm doing more and more of this, I'm resonating less and less with my baby swimming franchise. And so I decided to give that up. That was a really tough, decision for me where I plugged in all this money you know and I had I came I came across loads and loads of um again resistance mm. from members of the family who weren't too happy uh with what my career choice at this point because you I mean, decided wait a minute at that point you had gone from pharmacist to an entrepreneur with a baby what by by all accounts, a, a successful baby swimming franchise, and then you're about to segue and turn your back on that to yeah. do this hokey pokey theater healing yeah. stuff. Exactly. And they were like, "What are you playing at? Just go back to pharmacy. Pharmacy is a respectable, you know, career. What are you doing?" And I, I had all of that coming up. Um, But I just knew, you know, when you know and Mm. you just feel into it, I could have carried on with the the baby swimming thing and done the theta healing on the side. But I knew my passion wasn't in there. It wasn't my soul's passion and purpose. I could Mm. feel it. You could feel that it wasn't aligned to your your values and your soul purpose, your, you know, your mission in life. It just didn't feel right that it wasn't aligned. It, it wasn't. And, and, you know, when you, when you're at that, in that space where it's no longer, you don't feel the passion for it. It was similar to when I had tailored off with the pharmacy thing. I knew it wasn't right for me anymore. I knew I had outgrown it and I needed something else. And so I kind of, this time I listened to my own inner guidance. Whereas with the pharmacy thing, I probably left it about three years before I actually took action from when I should have probably um, jump ship and done something else but now I'd learn now I'd learn because everything's an, an awareness right there, there are no mistakes okay there are no mistakes they're only life lessons wisely said so let's talk about where you are today so this crazy meandering river of a journey that you've taken from a well-paid and safe job to something that was actually a successful entrepreneurial endeavor to something that was really risky but felt rightly resonating with your soul your your purpose in life theta healing has led you to this point what today does respreet's day and week and year look like oh so i i'm like i said i'm all about balance so i work with clients i work with people who uh, want to prepare themselves for soulmate relationships. Now, I've I've had experiences, personal experiences myself from when way back when when I gone through um, a succession of really bad relationships and come out the other side. So I have met my soulmate. Luckily for me, I am happily married, and you know we have a great relationship. But I've been in that dark space where you feel like there isn't anyone out there for you that where, you know, you feel so um, lonely and depressed. And I, I got a good question that, that that's burning on my mind because I get it asked a lot uh, from people who attend mantra therapy and some of the events that I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. Why do seemingly 
very successful and oftentimes very physically attractive people come up with this complaint or concern? Um, probably for the same reasons as I did uh, all those years ago. I, when I was going through my succession of the bad relationships, when I was trying to find the one, I, I guess it, it's, it's, a, it's a self-esteem thing. It's a self-confidence thing. So when you're trying to look and you're either being rejected or you're just not meeting the one for whatever reason it may be, it knocks your self-esteem. It, it makes you feel like you're not worthy. But like, even if you're successful and even if you regard yourself as, you know, your friends regard you as really good looking, you know, they all are envious of you because they think, yeah, you get all the guys or all the girls after you, you got a well-paid role, you know, you got it, you got that house, whatever it is. And that still happens. It still does. Because here's the thing, right? We are humans as humans. We're actually programmed to want to be loved. Okay, we're programmed. It's a basic human need to be loved, to be accepted. Uh -huh. So no matter how much, how successful you are or how financially well off you are or how, whatever else you may define as successful, if your basic human need of not being loved and accepted isn't being met, it makes you feel like crap. It makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. It... it, it, it knocks your self-confidence and you start to think. And I say this because I've experienced it myself. I actually, I was successful. I, I think I was okay looking and I had a lot to offer, except, but I was being rejected. I was being rejected on account of being too dark for some of the families, being too short or um, not having completed my pre-reg at that point. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't, I, I, although I was going to be a pharmacist, I hadn't done it at that point. And so it was like, um, and a lot of men, they, they face this as well. They need to be holding down a respectable job. You know, when I met my husband uh, on our first date, he kept saying to me, you do know that I'm a heating engineer. And I went, yeah. And he went, but you're a pharmacist. And I went, and? And he went, are you okay with that? And I went, yes, why wouldn't I be? But he, he had girls saying to him that they didn't want to get with him because he was just a plumber. You know, so there's this right. preconception that the families have, especially within my culture, the Indian culture, our culture, they look for, certainly my parents used mm -hmm. to say, they wanted somebody who was educated. They wanted someone who would be able to financially take care of their daughter. But then that we live in this kind of superficial materialistic world as well, where people overlook what really matters and they want the houses and they want the cars and they want all of that stuff. And if you don't fall into that category and you don't have all of that, then suddenly you're not interesting enough. So there's yeah, harsh, but true, harsh, 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 harsh words. But this is the reality. I think a lot of people face this countless people. And it's not just a phenomenon that's just, you know, confined to the UK. Yeah. Anywhere in the Western world, I think there is this, this disease, if you can call it, of external judgment. And here's the thing, Raspreet, we're not born with this, right? No. This is, con is this or is this not conditioning? Is this not the words and the voice of our parents, our peer circle, society, 
subtly and indirectly programming us stealth mode wise yeah. us feel like we've got to have a certain benchmark and then guess what when a really good person comes in your life who could be a potential partner whether it's a business partner or a life partner guess what your conditioning makes you overlook them or disregard them yeah so there's two aspects of it. It is definitely the social conditioning, um, the, the films, you know, they're romanticized, what love really looks like. And I, I like the idea of a happily ever after, but even a soulmate relationship isn't all plain sailing. Let's face it. Yeah, soulmate relationships are about uh, growing and evolving with one another. They're about enabling the other person. And, and that often comes with triggering the other person to be able to grow, to evolve and all of that. But they don't show you that in the movies. And you're absolutely right. But coming back to that point, it is social conditioning. Mm. But also your subconscious. Again, your subconscious comes into it. So the judgments that you have, what do you perceive as a good relationship or a decent partner? You know, what have you witnessed happening with your parents' relationship? or growing up or the people around you growing up, you know, um, if you've been through abusive or narcissistic relationships, mm -hmm. that's going to shape and, and that's going to create barriers for you. So, you know, what we spoke about at the beginning about these subconscious beliefs mm -hmm. that we say are negative, but they're actually there to protect you. So someone like I have been in, a, in an abusive relationship but And I had beliefs that were blocking me, that I would sabotage something good when it came along. So when I met my now husband, I, it was almost like my brain couldn't conceive that this person was willing to take me for who I was. You know, he was willing to accept me. I had all this rejection before I met him, being rejected for whatever it was I was rejected for. So I was thinking... I know I'm going to, well, I wasn't thinking this on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, it was like, I better, I better sabotage this and get out of this before he rejects me. So, yeah. you know, I see it a lot in my clients now. They'll meet someone really, really good for them. And what they'll start doing is they'll start sabotaging themselves. Um, and it's really subtle. It's not like they directly go out to sabotage mm -hmm. themselves. It just happens. They'll, something will happen. They'll create flat fights or conflicts in that relationship to break it down so that they can get out before they're rejected. Yeah, got it. That self-sabotage machinery, that famous gremlin that just kind of kicks in at the worst time. And sometimes you don't even realize that it's kicked in, right? We actually even justify our reaction or our reason to terminate a relationship or what it is. We actually think we're doing the right thing, but actually it's just self-sabotaging. That's good. Yeah. We yeah. don't even realize it. What a shame. So clearly this is some compelling wisdom. I dare say learned through some hard lessons. So would you dare to indulge us, Rispreet? Share with us a screw up or an episode in your life that you regret. Okay, well, I, I now am aware that there are really no screw ups. Okay. There, there are no real mistakes, but I didn't for the longest time. Okay. And I guess if there was one thing that I used to beat myself up about, it was about staying in a relationship that I knew was abusive and manipulative. I was well aware when I was in that relationship that I was being used and abused. I was being sidelined and, you know, um, being taken away from all my friends and family, uh, completely being controlled and manipulated. But I knew this. 
And what kept me in this relationship was my lack of self-respect, self-esteem, all the rejection that had come before. I was at the point, at that point, I just wanted to be loved. And the way that I used to justify it to myself while I was in that relationship was, well, at least this guy wants to spend some time with me. Mm. There, there was this, like, it, it was, I always used to describe it as he'll throw a, a crumb and I'll go running. Yeah, that type of a thing. And right. It's easy to get sucked into that when you're in that space of just looking for love. I had, I was so sad. I was so lonely. I wanted to, I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted somebody to accept me. I had all this love to give and I had nobody who was willing to accept it. And because of that, I let it go on for longer than it needed to. Mm -hmm. I guess for a long, long time, up until actually quite recently, I I did beat myself up about it. I did used to think, what what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, I look back now and I think, well, I could have I could have ended it at any time, but I chose not to. And this is the thing when you're in that space, you, you where you're just so desperate to be loved and to be accepted. You know, have that basic human need met. Mm -hmm you will do anything and you'll overlook a lot. Right. You'll overlook a lot. And I guess that, that would be one of the things, but I've, I've since learned everything happens for a reason, right? You meet people for a reason. There's certain lessons that you had to learn. And certainly from that relationship, I learned so much. And from all the other relationships I had previous mm -hmm. to that. And everything that I learned through in, through my own life's journey, um, that I've learned through taking theta healing, the access consciousness that I do, all of the things that I do now, the tools and techniques I use that ever will help me. It, it's given me loads of insight. It's given me some great experiences. You know, it led me directly to doing what I do today, my soul's passion and purpose. Mm. I now help women who are going through that. I now help women. And the thing is, when clients come to me, I can identify and relate to them because I've been there. I've done that. And I think it makes them feel safe talking to someone who has actually been through it herself. And I'll come out the other side. So, you know, it was a mistake, but what, what, was, the, what was the outcome for all those mistakes was now I live my dream life because I, I saw what all the crap that I didn't want. And it kind of empowered me to, mm -hmm. to decide and have some clarity on what I did want, actually. And so I've created the perfect balance for me. And what you've got to understand with the perfect balance, I always talk about this. Everyone's idea of success or balance or the right work-life balance is different. So what's mm -hmm. good for me might not be good for you. And that's okay. But um, my experience certainly have helped me to gain clarity on what I really wanted. So those mistakes really did help me. Um, and then once you've gained clarity on what you really want, you can take the next steps to actualize what you want. I have a question then. Those lessons that you learned, for our listeners out there, what would be one or two ways that they can recognize situations like that better? and kind of wake up, smell that coffee when they may either be kidding themselves or completely uh, illusioned and not even aware that they're in such a situation. Right. So one of the things is 
you've got to think, would this person do the same thing for you as you do for them, right? And if the answer is probably not, then you've got to question. You've got to start questioning yourself. And it, it's really easy to overlook and justify. Like I used to do it all the time. I used to be like, oh, but he's busy at work or he can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. But actually I was busy at work and I still made time. You know, so you have to start seeing what, what they're putting onto the table for you. So, but you can't do that until you learn to love and accept yourself first. So at that point, I guess that I had rejected parts of me. I had mm-hmm. bought into this lie that I was damaged goods, that all these people rejected me and that I was not going to get anyone else. Right. So I was holding on to that. So, you know, when you think that you're worthless. Yeah, then- you got, you're reaching out for love elsewhere, right? This is, I mean, I, I, you know, well, am I going to sit here and lie that I wasn't like that? No, I was like that. There was a point in my time where I was feeling um, a lack of love and I was reaching out. I was grasping out for love from any and any direction I could get, right? So I was mm-hmm. looking out there for love. And this is the point that I think a lot of people don't realize that they're in a given relationship looking for something that actually is going to come from themselves first. Absolutely. It all starts with the most important relationship that you'll ever have in your life. And that's the relationship that you have with yourself. So, you know, when you don't love yourself, when you're not respecting yourself, when you don't value yourself, the people around you follow suit. So you kind of have to guide them to what you want. So if, you, if I always often joke with my clients and my students, I always say, listen to your self-talk. Yeah, when you look in the mirror, what are you talking? What do you say to yourself? I'm too fat. I'm too thin. Or, you, or, you know, even in conversation we have with each other, where was that? Oh, I'm so stupid. I did this. I'm so dumb. I shouldn't have done that. You know, that kind of self-talk. And I always say to them, if you spoke to a young child the way that you speak to yourself, you'd be done for abuse. <laughs> right? Wow. So self-abuse, this self-punishment energy and while you're doing that to yourself, you're going to allow others to do that. You're, you're giving them an opening to abuse you, to, to um, overstep your boundaries, to take advantage of you. But if you, if you value yourself, if you respect yourself, if you actually love and accept yourself, warts and all, then you won't allow another person to do anything less. So you... The, I always say whatever is going on internally mm. will be reflected back at you. Right. It shows up. It shows up in, in the external world. Right. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very, and it goes back to your point, does it not about manifestation that we are all manifestors. Uh, you know, what did Buddha say? One of Buddha's famous sayings that manifestation becomes, uh, it begins as an idea in a person's mind. Our thoughts become our reality, right? I mean, the law of attraction thousands of years back articulated by Lord Buddha himself, and this is very much the case that if we are the creators of the outer environment, then our inner environment needs to be sorted out. Otherwise we're going to keep creating stuff that's going to show up. That's not good for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Exactly that. So, so tell us about, I mean, this is, this is an epidemic. What therefore are you doing in the present time? What is your current role and work that you're doing to address the situation? 
so with me, it, I, I teach theta healing. And I, I personally found the two things that have helped me the most, and I've tried several different things, but the ones that I found helped me the most, and I resonated most of those theta healing and access consciousness. And both are really, really good to help you to identify what's going on in your subconscious mind. To Theta healing is brilliant. It's a brilliant tool to start to bring into your conscious awareness what is actually going on in your subconscious. Because when you can al align your subconscious with what you consciously want to create, then everything just is so much easier. Like, you know, you can create whatever you like. What you're consciously trying to create suddenly starts to become a lot easier. But it's about getting that awareness. And through Theta Healing, um, I found that it opened me up to this awareness, to what was going on in my subconscious mind. And now I find what I can do is if something's happening, because guess what? This is life. Stuff happens, right? There's dramas all the time. It's about getting yourself out of the drama of the situation, taking a step back and then looking and asking yourself, why am I creating this? Instead of blaming others, because we do it all the time. We blame the government. We blame our teachers. We blame our partners. We blame our mm. family, our parents and all of that. But actually, if you step back and you think, why am I creating this? What does my subconscious get out of this? Yeah. And then you can start to sort things out. Then you can start to have that spring clean, internal, the internal spring clean that's going to allow you to create the life you really want. That's going to allow you to um, resolve the conflict that's going on in your life. Let's talk about goosebump moments. Give me one on this long and thorny road that has led you to the rose garden that you now stand in. Well, the goosebump moment was... I'd seen this word theta healing everywhere and I actually had a dream and it was my late granddad. And in that dream, I remember he was taking me up this rocky, I remember the dream mm -hmm. vividly, even today. He was taking me up this rocky mountain thing. Mm -hmm. And when he died, when my granddad was alive and he died, he actually mm -hmm. had his leg amputated because he had gangrene. And I remember in my dream, he was reaching down to me, holding his hand out, saying, are you ready to climb this mountain with me? Mm. And I, went, I looked up at the mountain and I went, yeah, I'll be fine, but are you going to be okay? Because I'm thinking about his leg. Right. right. And he goes, I'm perfectly fine. Are you ready for this? And I went, yes. So he takes my hand and he goes, I want, I want you to meet somebody. And he pulls me up this mountain. And we get up to the mountain and there's this barbecue. It was really weird. It was a barbecue. And he came over and he introduced me to some lady. And I didn't really think much of it. I woke up in the morning the next day and I was telling my husband that I had a dream about my granddad. It was really weird. There was a mountain. We went to the top of the mountain and there was a barbecue. I didn't <laughs> think anything else of that dream. Right. So that evening... I was flicking through Facebook, as you do on, on your phone, and I see this word theta healing pop down again. And I'm thinking, what is this theta healing? So I clicked on it, and it took me to, to the page of this lady. And I looked at the picture of this lady, and I thought, she looks really familiar. Where do I know her from? Where do I know her from? Now I've got this really familiar feeling. And then it hit me. This was the lady I had seen in the dream. So I was like, 
Okay, and that's what prompted me to go to her website to find out more about Theta Healing. After I did, I just knew I had to book in a session. And here I am. <laughs> Quite a story. Quite compelling. There is definitely, as they say, no such thing as chance. I guess you just illustrated that quite eloquently. Yes. Synchronicity exists. We just sometimes don't recognize it. Our material social conditioning gives us automatic blinkers that we're wearing, in fact, almost all the time. It's like contact lenses that we've got in our eyes that we actually forget are there and they're just there all the time. Mm -hmm. After a while, they start to, they start to disintegrate. They start to cause problems. And we don't even realize by that time that the problems in our eyes are not to do with our eyes. It's to do with the lenses, the filters that we've got that are stuck in front of our eyes. And this is what we're doing, right? Our conditioning is distorting our perception of reality and to an extent holding us back from achieving our our true potential yeah because we're blaming other people for stuff that's happening in our lives as you said mm -hmm. we're not recognizing when synchronicity is happening mm -hmm. we're throwing aside people and opportunities because we think that it, we're not good enough or it's not going to be good enough yeah, It just goes on. Folks, I hope that if you're listening to this, these are pennies that are being dropped or dollars if you're in the States, mm -hmm. dime, cents, something. I don't care what it is, liras, rupees. Something has to drop in our minds, folks, to recognize and help us wake up, smell that coffee, take the blue pill, as they say in the Matrix. I can just <laughs> go on, 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 on. Let's talk about smelling the coffee, Respreet. Let's talk about some techniques that we could leave our listeners with. Okay, so the first thing I would say, like I said to you before, is to, to, to start loving yourself, start accepting yourself. So one of the, the techniques that I teach in some of my workshops is actually one by Louise Hay, which is looking into the mirror and just saying, I love you. You know, it's really awkward when you first do it, really awkward. But once you get into it, it gets quite emotional. It gets really, really emotional because how many of us actually ever look in the mirror and tell ourselves that we love what we see it's usually criticizing or judging what we see right so that's something that you can do and that's that that if you do that technique for about two weeks every single day you will change your energy will change and the people around you will change so try that and second thing is find your zen zone right when things get all too much you're going into overwhelm you spoke about this, you know, right at the beginning of the show. It's so easy. We live in like the rat race, especially in London or in the biggest cities. Everything is stressful. We, we lead really fast, busy lives. And so you need to take time to get into your Zen zone, whatever that takes for you. So guided meditations. And I have people coming to me all the time saying, oh, but I can't quiet my monkey mind. I can't silence the, the mind chatter and all of that. But I've recorded a few um, guided meditations and they're actually, I did a collaboration with Press Association and the TFL uh -huh. for, um, for my meditation on your busy commute. Uh -huh. So it's, they're actually meditations that are designed, I specifically designed them for people who are time poor, 
So you can do them in your lunch hour, you know, just as a charger. You can do them before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning. And all you have to do is listen to the words. And the rest will just happen. And you'll start to get used to it. You start to train your subconscious to kind of take over the conscious mind. And that's where you want to get at because it is there. It is when you... That's where the magic happens. That's where it happens. You have all the answers that you need. So you're, we always have this habit of looking externally for the answers, going to other people to ask their opinions or their advice, you know, going to other people. But actually all the answers are within you, but you can only access them from that Zen zone. So that's a really, really powerful thing. And people who are time poor, shower. 10-minute shower, you can do a, a little guided meditation. You can do a little visualization in the shower. You can do whatever it takes. You can do gardening. Gardening's really good if you're into that. Painting, getting creative, writing, going to the gym, you know, whatever mm-hmm. works for you. And it doesn't have to be something that everyone else or the masses is doing. It's whatever works for you. And to be – thank you. Thank you, Raspi. That's really sage advice. And let me just – for the clarification of our listeners, when you say immerse yourself in these activities, whether it be gardening, gym, you know, shower, whatever it may be, going for a walk, so many things, what's the key success criteria or the essential thing that must be happening during those activities to get the most out of this Zen zone principle? It's to, to switch off your mind and just enjoy it. Just be, it's being in the moment. That means yeah. no mobile phones. No I mean, mobile phones. Unless no you're looking for guided meditation. <laughs> of course. Uh, because or this podcast. On your phone. Or this yeah. podcast. <laughs> of course. Right. So it's yeah. to switch off. Um, so that means really, and this is an important point. How many people do go for a walk or do a workout whilst being on the phone, catching up with social media? And, and obviously, hey, look, you know, this is urban spirituality. We know people do this. Let's, let's be real about this. We're not asking people to stop doing this. We're just saying, take 10 minutes, 15 minutes out where you actually, just for that short time, pause that stuff and just yeah. be in that present time. Is that, is that the gist? To be. That, that is it. It's 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 about getting into the present moment. You know, when you're living in the future, you start getting anxious because you're you're working yourself up. You're getting into this fear-based energy of stuff over stuff that hasn't even happened. And mm-hmm. if you're living in the past, you're working yourself up up about stuff that has already happened. You can't do anything about it. So this is more just about getting spending that ten minutes completely being present. Because it's from your present. When you're present, that's when you can create. Thank you. Thank you for those pearls of wisdom. As always, we always want to make sure that there's some takeaway from every one of these episodes that people can take, embrace, and start to use. Folks, I hope those small nuggets are going to find their way into your daily lives. Raspreet, tell us how we can find out more about you, your stuff, learn from you, follow you, not stalk you, just follow you. <laughs> so you can um, check out what I do on my website, which is www.divinesacredsoul.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook under Divine Sacred Soul or on um, Instagram, and I'm under Raspberry Sagu. Okay, so you're going to be around to stay. <laughs> 
there's a lot of there's a lot of people and i was about to say there are a lot of people that need saving but let's 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 rephrase that here in this show there are a lot of people that need help to be woken up to their true potential inside them right yeah and we are going to do that you me every single guest who comes up on this show are working in their own unique way to progressively raise the consciousness of the human beings who are having <laughs> the spiritual beings who are having a human experience, human experience. around us, yeah. right? Yes, absolutely. And you're doing a great job. Uh, what you're doing is completely in line with what how I feel. So this is, you know, it is it is difficult for professionals or people, our generation of people to just switch off. We live in such a busy environment and your show is brilliant. So unless you're listening to a podcast or a guided meditation, then um, switch off your phones, guys. Sage advice <laughs> from the divine sacred soul herself. Respreet Sagu, it has been a pleasure. Thank it's you been so great much. to be on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. We're going to have to have you back and share more wisdom in a future episode. Folks, thank you so much for listening in. Respreet, namaste. Namaste. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your spiritual and personal journeys in life. As always, if you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments, share it with those who you care about and take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our events, workshops or retreats. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.